gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam, and with me, as always, is my co-host and co-owner and co-writer and many other co's, I'm sure, to come in the future uh, at Town Alone. Mike, Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm doing co-great. <laughs> All right. No? Too cheesy? <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it. It's, it's cheesy, but I liked it. Uh, so... This is going to be a little bit of a weird podcast. We're kind of entering into the doldrums of summer, especially when it comes to sports. Good word. Uh, thank you. Obviously, we have some big things to talk about, such as the NBA draft, but I did want to quick fire some news things at you real quick just to get your temperature on them because they don't really fit anywhere in the show. Sound good to you, Mike? Sounds good. Alrighty then. So, the Hurricanes are working towards a trade for Tony D'Angelo. What the are your Hurricanes? thoughts? The Hurricanes are? Yes, sir. Huh. Like, they were just like, man, if we didn't lose Tony D'Angelo or trade him away, we really could have beaten Florida, I guess? Uh, Perhaps. Uh, so, it's per Elliott Freeman, and currently all we really know is that the Flyers will retain 50% on D'Angelo and get a late-round prospect from Carolina. Hmm. I mean, D'Angelo did play well in their system. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's really seller's remorse, I guess. Didn't they, they traded him to Philly, right? Because he was going to be too expensive. Yeah, and because he was coming off a pretty good season, especially offensively. And so they traded him. I remember at the time, I'm trying to remember what the return was. I remember at the time I I really liked it because I was like, oh, nice. They got D'Angelo on this one-year cheap deal. He played well, and then instead of signing him, they flipped his rights to someone else for a solid return yeah they got pretty good draft capital from it yeah all right next piece of news there for you hurricanes continuing on with this topic re-signed jordan stall to four years 11.6 million that's an average annual value of 2.9 but he also got a full no move Hmm. by the time this deal ends he will be 38 years old yeah 2.9 million dollar AV and then no move feels weird to me. Yeah, a little bit. Like you don't see smaller contracts usually get the no move, but maybe that's why it's smaller. He doesn't want to get traded. So he yeah. said, "I'll take a I'll take a, a lower contract, but I want a full no move." Yeah. That 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 makes sense. I mean, that's a solid pick. Uh or a solid move by them to to keep him on on board with the, with the team. He's played well for them he's kind of um is he their captain i think so i can't remember now i think i want to say he's their captain i can look that up while we continue on with the podcast though okay um and then the the last trade that i want to get your temperature on before we get talking about our big topics for the day uh the avalanche get ryan johnson from nashville with 50% retained, and the Predators, in return, get Alex Galchenyuk. Any thoughts on that one? Um, I mean, I think it's a good move. Uh, they didn't give up much in Galchenyuk, and they're only paying half of Johansson's salary, so. 
Yeah, how? Why don't I don't get some of these moves? Like, how are these these teams pulling this off? Why did Nashville move that just to get fifty percent of the price off their books? But they're kind of in a rebuild, so why do they care? It's not like they need that cap space to really spool up a few more depth pieces. Yeah, um, it. I'm not quite sure. I guess part of the deal is that I mean teams like this can take on the cap just try to sweeten the deal and get it done so if they're in a full rebuild but i never really know at nashville like i feel like now they're finally in a full rebuild but then they tend to make moves here and there where i'm like what are you like are you rebuilding or not like either shit or get off the pot definitely won't feel like they're in a full rebuild as long as they hang on to soros that does kind of feel like a tweener move right yeah did they oh, Soros? Uh, if you Google, just Google Soros, uh, you won't believe this. It doesn't take you to UC Soros. Get out of town. What were you about to ask? I was going to mention, I know if like Philippe Forsberg's a free agent this year, I believe, correct? I, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Um, uh, Soros is only 28. So maybe, maybe that's not the most extraneous age if you're going to rebuild for a few years. But they do still have Yossi, who's 33. No, Forsberg just got a, a huge extension last year. Oh, yeah. He, he got the eight-year, $68 oh, million right. dollar contract. Yeah. He did. He did. So I don't know. They got to move that, don't they, if they're going to rebuild? Yeah, that and Yossi seems like the moves they'd have to make before I believe it's an actual rebuild. Yeah, it's just weird because Alex Galchenyuk only, like, he like barely played for Colorado last year. He played most of the season for their AHL affiliate. Yeah. So, and... You know, on on Colorado, Johansson's probably going to slot into the second line center position too. Like that's that's a valuable thing for them. And Nashville retained fifty percent and took basically nothing back. It's a weird move. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a weird that's, move. That's a, that's a weird move, unless there's like draft capital that we don't know about. But by now, the like, the trade would be like approved and like all the details would be out. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think the trade's like fully finalized at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe if I if I look into it more and try to figure out like the reasoning that this makes sense for Nashville, I'll I'll definitely have to like tweet it out or something. Okay, yeah. So keep an eye on our, our Twitter timelines in case one of us comes to some kind of shower thought realization on why this trade happened. All right, Mike. So I only have a uh, one main topic for you today, but it is a doozy i guess technically two main topics we're breaking it down into basically one section play it by year on time but it was a huge week for the nba so we're gonna get the timer going here and we got we got some nba to talk sound good to you yeah all right getting the timer going now mike i will let you choose here do you want to start off with the draft or with trades Let's start off with draft. I got some draft. stuff I want to talk draft about. Draft it is. All right, Mike. So, the NBA draft, uh, as previously believed, went Wimbayama 1, Brandon Miller 2, Scoot Henderson 3. Now, Scoot and Brandon Miller were a little bit of a question mark going in, and Scoot's odds fluctuated wildly mm-hmm. going into the process. Up until the day of, where I believe on draft day... He went from a minus 400 favorite to be the number two pick to plus 320 before the draft. 
So those are your top three picks there. Uh, the other big news we have would probably be Amin and Asar Thompson going four and five. And Cam Whitmore falling to 20. Mike, did you have any immediate draft reactions or thoughts that you want to get out of there? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of um, Cam Whitmore and Amin Thompson, like I really like this Houston Rockets draft. Uh, they're like one of the teams I thought did really well. I mean, Amin Thompson, obviously, six seven seven foot wingspan, uh, kind of like a stat sheet stuffer for the um, overtime elite. Uh, wait, that's that's what it is, right? Yeah, which is yeah. just a bullshit league. Yeah, he only played sixteen games, but he averaged sixteen point two points, six point four boards, and six point two assists. He needs to work on his jump shot, but he's extremely like like he has the things you can't teach in like length, size, and athleticism. So put him with Ime Adoka and they work on him and get him a better jump shot and he starts shooting better from three um, and gets a little bit more of a game. Like I think that could turn out really well. Um, and then as you mentioned, the sliding Cam Whitmore really like that one too out of uh, Villanova dudes just like built like a brick shit house, six, seven, 235 pounds. He's only 18 years old. Once again, powerful athletic. Um, so like, I like both those picks. I'm always a fan of, picks that are have a lot of raw talent i think we saw that with like obviously i'm not saying these men are going to end up being like this but like Giannis was so raw and we saw what he turned into so i like think both are these picks could be really good in the future for houston yeah um i would say that i think that the interesting i mean like you said the interesting part especially about cam whitmore is that there's such a projection that goes on with these guys and it's already on a team that has a lot of weirdness. I mean, maybe they just weren't well coached under Silas the last few years. But just, I mean, you look at, like, the shot numbers by the Rockets. It's just, like, that whole team was just inefficient. I mean, the the assist ratio was relatively low. They didn't win a lot of games. It just seems like a team that doesn't really have a drafting strategy outside of just draft whoever is available at the spot and scored a lot. So if some of these guys start to hit and turn into better playmakers, better defenders, people who can move, I think that that's when we start to see the Rockets improve. Uh, how would you feel about taking this team that they have right now and adding James Harden to it? Now, I will say the rumors have started to tip that Harden's going to re-sign with Philly, but you put Harden on this team, do you think that improves or deproves? What's the opposite of improves? Um... Yeah, it would You're... be uh, unimproved, or <laughs> or is a detriment. Declines, decline. Do, do, do you think? Do you think Harden is a detriment or improves the ceiling that you see for this team right now? So with like the young players they have, and obviously like the two guys I mentioned being such raw prospects um, in certain areas, I think it's kind of a wash. I don't think he makes them better. I don't think he makes them worse. Um, maybe. You know, at when he was at the peak of his powers, I mean, he was a master of the thing you said that they were bad at, which is efficiency. <laughs> so maybe you bring him in and he can be a little player coach and help, you know, teach them how to draw penalties and and uh, stuff like that and, you know, be more efficient basketball players. Like, I, I think he could be a good guy to have around. I mean, I don't know what kind of mentor James Harden would be, but I don't really have a sense for that. But maybe if he's getting to that point later in his career 
where he kind of wants to work with some young players and pass along some of his knowledge, I think it, it could be good. Um, but I don't think it makes them like, oh, with Harden and these young guys, they're going to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, with I the play-in play now and stuff like that, crazy stuff could happen. I mean, like, it was that year. Remember that year Chris Paul, like, took the Thunder to the playoffs? Yeah. And they, like, weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> um, at least, like, that wasn't the plan that Sam Presti was going on. Uh, but so who knows what could happen, but I don't, I don't think it really makes the team better or worse. I, it's just like, I mean, you say player coach, like Harden's getting up there in age. And if you were going to hire someone to set the tone in the locker room, how far down the list do you have to get before it's James Harden? I mean, the guy notoriously has been out of shape for a few years. He has a, you know, maybe, maybe unjustified, but he has a reputation for coming up short in the biggest games. And his biggest claim to fame is that his jerseys retired at a strip club in Houston, I would say. That's probably uh, the highest point in his uh, his professional career so far. That or the MVP, one of the two. Uh, so would you really want that guy to come in and be the person who's supposed to improve Jalen Green and Cam Whitmore? Yeah, that's why, I, like I said, I don't really have a sense for the kind of mentor he would be in that situation. Um, Cause yeah, when you think Harden, you don't really think like work out like, I, I, and I don't know like all the information about how he is, but you don't from the outside optics, you don't think of like that workout warrior, you know, getting in there as the sun comes up and not leave until the sun's going down like that, you know, to be to be cliche like that mamba mentality you know that kind of stuff so i don't know maybe like i said he, he's older he's changed um and he really wants to do something like that but i guess like yeah worst case scenario at least you know, after a loss he can show the boys around all the best strip clubs do you have i i didn't i didn't post this to you ahead of time so i can go first if you want to think about it for a minute but do you have a winner of the draft do you have someone who you think can definitively be called the winner already of the 2023-2024 or I guess 2022-2023 NBA draft. So I got kind of like three things that I put in my winner category. I already mentioned Houston. I really like what they did with their two first round picks. Obviously the Spurs were winners the second they won the draft lottery and got Webinyama. Um That's, that's my, why I had written down too. I had yeah. San Antonio. Um, I think someone who got not to step on what you might want to talk about but someone who got i think a steal in the draft in the second round was your minnesota timberwolves with leonard miller yeah do you have access to my notes or something here you you're two for two on the people i have listed so far yeah i mean he's big 610 72 wingspan so he's got that size he's got that length 6.9 points 10.1 rebounds and he played in 38 games in the overtime or in the uh, nba g league um yeah he played on ignite with scoot henderson yeah and i don't know how like when i looked more into him i don't know how he fell to the second round i don't know what the like backstory is to that but i think that is like the steal of the draft for me yeah i mean there's there's obviously the the route to go to just say that if wimbayama works out the way that he's been promised to us San Antonio won the draft, right? It's like if you go back to 2003, it doesn't matter who had efficient picks down the road. The winner was Cleveland because they got LeBron James. 
Yeah. So if if this guy is really who he is billed to be, then it's it's kind of a you know it's a walk. They they won. Um, I the the only teams that you didn't mention that I had written down here are that I think uh, at twelve the um the uh, Mavericks traded up with the Thunder and grabbed Derek Lively who is a guy that fell a little bit lower than expectation. Uh, he's a, a center. He'll, he could be a, a good prospect to, on that team. He's, he's a defensive guy. He's got a lot of length, but that's the kind of person you want to have behind Luka and potentially Kyrie. And obviously getting a guy on a, a rookie deal who could play as a starter is big for that team. Um, I have Utah, who grabbed... Um, Taylor Hendrickson, uh, that, you know, I, I'm not that familiar with Taylor, Taylor Hendrickson. That's a big one that a lot of analysts were talking about, that that was uh, a good pick for them as someone to pair on the front court with Walker Kessler, kind of starting to build out their future core potentially. And then I had Houston down, which we, we talked enough about Houston to where I don't feel like I necessarily need to go into it, but getting Ahmed Thompson and Cam Whitmore in the first round seems like if one of those guys hits, it's good. If both those guys hit, it's like Celtics a couple years ago when Jalen and Jason kind of started to really come on. Any more draft thoughts you want to get out there, Mike? Any big losers that you had written down? Um, I mean, my Knicks had no picks, so losers. Uh, yeah, but they're going to re-sign Josh Hart, so. True. Well, that's good because isn't that the that, – Portland had our first round pick, and I think that was in the uh, the deal that sent Cam Reddish to Portland. Yeah, that um, sounds right. So, only thing I have on the draft is top three names, like not best players, but like oh, favorite oh, oh. names. Can I can I try to guess these? Yes. Okay, Scoot Henderson got to be on there, right? Oh, Scoot definitely. There's like so many fun things that the local play by play announcers can do with that one. Scoot boot and boogie, you know, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> uh, Bilal Kulabali? No. No. Um, uh, I'm trying to do this from memory, so I probably won't remember if it's someone in the second round. Uh, I'll take one more guess and then I'll let you let you name here. Uh, Grady Dick. Gotta be Grady Dick. Grady Dick's on the list because, you know, guard. When he makes like a slick pass and the announcers can say, there goes old Tricky Dick. <laughs> it's very on brand for that to be the way you wanted to go with it. Mm-hmm. I got to say, my, my one thought on Grady Dick is, how the fuck is this guy not a Duke guy? Like, you tell me he played at Kansas? Know. He's a white guy who's like an effort player and he didn't play on Duke? Right, you're ridiculous. like, he didn't play on Duke or like some Midwest Gonzaga. Big Ten team. Oh yeah, or or yeah, I saw uh, what's his face, Timmy or whatever his name is. <laughs> Timmy. I think he was, an, uh, yeah, the guy who's I think he was like a four year player though coming out of Gonzaga. I don't even know who you're talking about. The only player, uh, I, yeah, the only player I'm was it was he like uh, undrafted free agent or did he get picked up in the draft? Uh, no, he ended up being an undrafted free agent. Okay, that explains it. Yeah, I, I'm uh, a little behind on that because I think there was only like one or two Gonzaga players taken in the draft. 
And I don't think any, either of them were named Timmy, obviously. Who was the, uh, who was the other yeah, name you had on your list there, though? Um, and then, once again, the aforementioned Amen Thompson, because whenever he just, like, makes a big shot, the play-by-play announcer can yell, can I get an Amen? So. Oh, unfortunately, it's Amen. So. Well, that works, know. too. Can okay. I get an Amen also works as well. Okay. All right. Uh, so, the other thing that happened in the oh. NBA this week. Oh, what's up? I just want to ask you one more question. And you yeah. just answer real quick and move along. Um, do you put any like more emphasis on, oh, this player played in the G League? Like, do you think that, that is better talent to be playing against than coming out of college or somewhere else? I do, because I think for the most part, the people in the G League are the best of college, but not good enough to make the NBA. So you're playing against guys that were still in the top 10 to 15% of college players, but you have to be in the top 5% of college players to be in the NBA. Yeah, so it's kind of like... Playing, especially when you got you get young guys, like the guys that sign to uh, Ignite, who foregoed... Forgone? Forgoed? Is that correct? That doesn't sound right. Who foregoed college to go play for Ignite and are like 19 or 18, and they're playing against you know, 23-year-olds who just barely can't make an NBA roster. I, I put a lot more stock in those guys. Yeah, it's kind of like Luca. He was playing over against, like, grown Eastern European men. Yeah, same thing with Victor Wimbayama. Yeah. I got to figure out the way I want to go with that. Do do I, Are we going to call him Victor? Like, is that going to be fine? Are we going to call him Wimbayama? Is it really just going to be Wimby? Like, isn't it just sounds dismissive like that. Got to figure out the way we go. I think the nickname like, will probably be Wimby. Like, I, I was a little too young when he first came into the league, but was there any stretch of time where people were calling him James instead of LeBron? Or was it, like, year one they were, like, it was, LeBron? It was LeBron. Oh, but San Antonio's play-by-play guy can go, like, after a big dunk, he can yell, Oh, Mama Yama. Or, Oh, Mama Wembayama. Either way. I like that. It's, it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Yeah, I feel like if he, if he seals the game, you could say victory formation really hit the victor yeah that's an idea victory formation no don't like it <laughs> workshop that come back to me all right all right i'll talk to the san antonio play-by-play guy speak to god talk to my accountant try to come up with something well, i imagine they're play-by-play guys an old white dude because for some reason i feel like all local play-by-play guys are old white dudes i assume that it's manu ginobili and he does the whole thing in spanish i think that's uh enough talk on the draft you want to talk about some of the mega trades that have happened recently yes uh, so there's because of a, a consequence of the draft with the Blazers taking Scoot Henderson third overall, there's a lot of talk about Portland trading Dame or Anthony Simons or Shaden Sharp because they're just guard heavy, not like the magic guard heavy, but definitely guard heavy to a level. So we're going to circle back to that. That'll be the last thing we hit is some potential trades there. First, I want to run through the trades that actually have happened. So for starters, I think that this happened first, but you'll have to correct me if it didn't. The Marcus Smart trade. Uh, right after we stopped recording last week, the Bradley Beal trade came through, and I hopped on and did a very short bumper at the start of the podcast to talk about that. But then there's been kind of a cascading effect to come from that. And what it seems like the Wizards are doing now is cleaning house and going fully in the tank, which is genius because they're going into the tank the year after everyone's willing to give up a giant bounty to get good players and the year after a generational talent was in the draft. So good job, Washington. 
Uh, so the Marcus Smart trade. The Celtics send out the heart and soul of their team. And in return, they get back uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis. They get back Sasser from the draft, who they traded to Detroit. And they get a 24 top six protected Warriors pick. The Memphis Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. The Washington Wizards get Tyus Jones, Julian Phillips in the draft, who they traded to the Bulls, Danilo Gallinari, and Mike Muscala. What is your immediate reaction to this trade, Mike? So my immediate reaction was, hands down, Celtics won this trade. After thinking about it more and talking about it with you, I think Celtics and Memphis both came out pretty good in this deal. Um, Give me the case for Memphis. I think... Obviously, they weren't bringing back uh, Dylan Brooks. So I think Marcus Smart is a better version of Dylan Brooks. And as you had pointed out, they need to have another guard to help out with the lack of John Morant for 25 games. Um, Marcus Smart, I mean, was just defensive player of the year last year. So there's that value to him defensively, even if his offensive production, which has never really been his game. He's never been known as a big offensive guy. Like, I feel like he would have, like, that one game every so often where he would, like, kind of pop off um, or make like some big plays, which is part of the reason why Boston just fell in love with him. You if know, I can inject mo- here, I will say that you don't think he's an offensive player, but someone in Boston does because game six, the Derek White tipping, that mm-hmm. play was ran for Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart misses the three and Derek White goes and tips the ball in. Yeah. So someone in Boston thinks that that guy can shoot. And, and to be like totally transparent, I never got it with Marcus Smart. Um, I kind of thought he was a little overvalued. Um, sometimes I get aggravated with the whole, yeah, but he does all the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And I just hate that. And they NBA made an award for him, that stupid hustle award. So, but I do think it was a good move for Memphis. I do like that. And then the Celtics getting back Porzingis. I think that is a position they needed to upgrade in at center. Um, so I like that. They got the first round pick this year that top six protected. There's no way the Warriors pick is going to be top six. So they're going to have another first rounder next year, which they can then maybe use in a trade at some point this season to acquire someone if like at the deadline, I think think they need to. So I think they did well too. The only team that I don't think did well was the Wizards. Uh, Can I make the case for the Wizards then? Go ahead. So we'll, we'll touch on this in a second, but coming out of the draft, the Wizards grabbed... Uh, another guard who I did not write down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bilal Kulobali, who was the guard on Wimbayama's Metro 92 team. So they have Kulobali and Tyus Jones as guards. Both those guys have the potential to perform pretty well. So I think that there's upside potential there. I mean, I'm a big Tyus Jones guy. He's one of those, like, Timberwolves fans love that guy because he played for us forever and he's like a hometown guy and then he went to Memphis and Memphis fans love that guy like he's one of those dudes that just latches on to the fan base wherever he goes and it's because he's an effort guy he's undersized but he plays hard on defense he's a really good playmaker he's he has good vision and from what people are saying Koulibaly is in a similar similar vein he's an effort guy little undersized and he he's a, a really good passer so there's two legitimate point guards on that team who can run the offense through you know, bench the bench units and the, the starting units. 
On top of that, they got Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole's overpaid, which is part of the reason that everyone's down on him. But Jordan Poole still goes through stretches where he's a really good shooter. And I think taking the pressure off him, where he doesn't need to be the heir apparent to Clay Thompson, and he can just brick shots if he needs to and work it out, could be good for him in uh, Washington. Now, I will say, Washington didn't get back a lot in these trades when it comes to prospect and draft picks. But they managed to get off a lot of people that weren't going to be playing for that team. There was talk about them re-signing Porzingis, but I bet that was going to start fading into the ether after they traded Beal since they weren't going to be competing. So they moved Beal, who's a guy who wanted out, and they moved Porzingis, who's a guy who wanted out, and they moved CP3, who's a guy who wasn't going to play there, and got stuff in return. I mean, they, they took assets that weren't going to be valuable to them and turned them into something, on top of which, at least their backcourt has some skill in it. Yeah, I'm calling it right now that they are going to end up getting a lower draft pick than they want because of Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get a weird, like, because Beal also had it down here. Do you know how many points Beal averaged last year without looking it up? Well, like, I think it was like 20 point something or 22 point something. Yeah, 23 points. Which oh, wow. is not great in the modern NBA, especially when your your whole gimmick is that you're a scorer. So, yeah. the like how how well does Poole really have to play to replace that? I mean, if you just let him get his shots up as much as he wants, that guy can score 23. I mean, that guy can fully replace Beal's scoring workload. Yeah, I pulled up earlier. He averaged 20. That was right at the 20.4. Poole averaged 20.4 points this year despite us feeling like it was a, a bad year for him. And it, he, his play did decline some. But, I mean, he's already close to basically making up what they lost points-wise with Bradley Beal. I mean, I guess the only difference is that if you play, you know, Washington, I think a lot of more of what other teams will run defensively will be to not let Jordan Poole start going off. Yeah. And like, outside uh, Outside of Jordan Poole, if you're playing the Wizards right now, like who else are you worried about? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's that's where you, if you're Washington, you you have to start hoping some of these draft picks hit. I mean, they made you know a few um, second round picks that you can never really totally trust those guys because. Second round, it's kind of a crapshoot. But this is where you have to start ho hoping that people like Koulibaly hit and that Tyus Jones, given a starting role, can be a bigger element. But I don't think that the Wizards' trades are quite as disastrous as some people have made them out to be. Admittedly, I thought they were pretty disastrous until I started to look into it. Um, I think I already basically said this, but it seems like Really, the Wizards' only plan is to be bad. They don't seem to be doing the asset hoarding that OKC and Utah are doing. And they don't seem to be doing the hard, quick tank to get a top-end player like San Antonio did. It kind of seems like they said, all right, this core is not working. Let's get rid of everyone. Then we'll figure it out. The yeah, other... Like, uh, oh, this, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was saying, this really feels like it's the... Uh, like breakdown season and may, maybe more after next season we'll get more of a picture of how they're going to do it yeah and I, I don't know what else they could get maybe there is 
midseason a, a Jordan Poole trade where you flip him to a contender for something, but it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere besides down. Um, the other part of this trade I do want to talk about is that the Celtics are just going to keep adding bigs to their team that can't stay healthy. I mean, people are legitimately saying that Porzingis is in his healthiest shape because he played 65 games. Like, Kawhi Leonard could play 65 games and people would be complaining. But because of what our expectation for Porzingis is, he plays 65 games and we call it a healthy season. So now you have Robert Williams, you have an aging Al Horford, and you have Chris Tapps Porzingis as your front court. Those guys aren't the 82-game Ironman kind of players. So you have to worry a little bit about if the Celtics are going to be able to routinely field those three guys all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's the big question. Like, I'm fine with them, like with a Porzingis only playing 65 games for me in the regular season as long as he's healthy for the entire playoff stretch. That's the big thing. If he goes down in the playoffs, then, you know, his injury history will definitely backfire on. All right, Mike, any more thoughts on this trade or you want to move on to the Chris Paul trade? Oh, yeah, go for it. All right. Chris Paul trade. Uh, fairly straightforward. Chris Paul goes to the Warriors via the Wizards, I guess. Uh, the Wizards get Jordan Poole back. And I, I don't know if they even got like a pick or something in this. But really, the trade is the important aspects are Poole for Chris Paul. Now, this trade is almost more interesting from what happened off court to what happens on. Do you think this trade happens? if Draymond Green doesn't punch Jordan Poole in the face, or if Draymond Green does punch Jordan Poole in the face, but it doesn't get leaked. Yeah, I was making a lot out of that being a big factor in them moving Poole out. But... I don't know, I'm kind of leaning towards the camp that this may have happened anyway. Because I don't think the contract Poole got was living up to his play and the Warriors wanted to get out of that. Um, so I, I just don't know how much the Draymond punch could have really factored into it unless, I mean, there's a situation where Draymond, Clay, Curry are super tight, obviously, and, you know, they're going to take Draymond's side in that, so pulls out. Do you think this guarantees Draymond Green comes back to the Warriors? Do you think that's what... Was the genesis of the the trade? Yeah, I think I think Draymond's definitely coming back to the Warriors, unless the front office was like both these guys caused drama um, for us that we didn't need. So we're not resigning Draymond; we're shipping out Pool. But I, I hundred like I'm leaning like ninety five percent that Draymond comes back to the Warriors. Yeah, it feels like there was maybe not expressly but there I bet there there was some version of a him or me kind of feeling uh, maybe no one ever said that in those words but I think that once Draymond opted out and said like I want a new contract they they said like all right well here's the moment we have to decide we're either gonna have to pay Draymond and get rid of pool or let Draymond walk and keep pool because we can't have both these guys on this team and they're both gonna be expensive now, here's here's the f- next question I have for you. How 
likely do you think that this is the first domino fall? And do you think the Warriors are going to make another major move? I expect them to make some other kind of move because I don't know if this team gets back to the finals. And obviously, if you have Steph Curry, that is the expectation that we find a way to get to the finals. And I don't see a way they can do it with the. I mean, I, I shouldn't, I guess, be that dramatic, but I don't, I don't know if this roster right now can do it. Yeah, the only thing that I could think of is that they could get another star by moving out Kaminga and Clay, but it doesn't. They don't have any cap room. I mean, they're above the much dreaded second apron that has a bunch of implications after a few years, and they have a weird split of young guys and old guys without much in the middle. They're an incredibly expensive team, and they somehow managed to get older this offseason. So it seems like their only real move is to trade Kaminga and Clay if they really want to add something. And I don't necessarily see that happen, but at a certain point you have to say, this is Steph's team. We have to maximize that. Sorry, Clay, you're not the guy you used to be. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about Kuminga kind of being that, like their big trade piece that they could center something around. Well, My he's only- their only asset. Like what yeah. else do they have on that team? Exactly. And my only thing is, like, how much longer do they think they can keep going and be contenders with this team? Like, I mean, Curry is still playing at an extremely high level, but at some point, I mean, we've already seen Draymond increasingly decline. Clay is nowhere near the same guy who was pre ACL tear. So, I mean, realistically, how much more runway do you have? So, I don't know if moving your only good pro like your only good asset and young player like prospect would be a smart move because then you're left with nothing and what i imagine like i mean what how much longer is this warriors window would you say like two seasons three seasons yeah but i would have said that it's over a few seasons ago and then they won the championship last year yeah that was one of the more surprising like nba champions like i never would have guessed that going into the regular season that year yeah and then because of that we all deluded ourselves going into these playoffs that they they had a chance of winning I mean the team like it's it's a testament to how much of a game changer Steph Curry is with his shooting ability but that team like if you replace Steph Curry with I don't know Dame Lillard I Trey Young do they have a single ring no, absolutely not. Yeah, they definitely don't have the one from two years ago. I mean, like, sometimes we don't give Steph enough credit for not just how good of a shooter he is, but how far ahead of number two he is as a as a game changer when it comes to playing as a guard. So yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say that their window's closed or closing because they still have Steph fucking Curry. Yeah, I mean, they still have, in my opinion, like, the greatest shooter ever in the history of the game. Yeah, it can't even be an argument anymore at this yeah. point. Like, people used to say it was Ray Allen, but Steph has totally eclipsed that. And, yeah, as long as he's playing at this level, they're going to feel like they can contend, and they need to make moves to contend. So, right, I mean, I, been... I guess really... What's up? No, go ahead. Let me let me hear last year's thought, but then we have to talk about Chris Paul at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, I would just say that really until we see Curry start to slow down, the window's still open. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to force us off talking about Curry real quick because the major move here was Chris Paul coming to the Warriors. Uh which is weird, you know. Uh, Chris Paul has run into 
the brick wall that has been the Warriors dynasty, unless Bill Simmons gets a vote, since the Lob City days. And he's come up short. This Warriors team has, on multiple occasions, prevented him from getting a ring, uh, including on a 60-win Rocket team when the Warriors came back from down 3-1 and beat him and James Harden. Now, he is assumedly the backup point guard for this team. How much does this change the Warriors' fortunes for you? How much does this, if you had to bet on them before this trade and after this trade, how much movement do you think there would have been on their futures? Yeah, this is this is wild, like CP3 on the Warriors. Um, I mean, really, when you look back at the state, the the ecosystem of the Western Conference, you can, in my opinion, like, Chris Paul's window to maybe win that title was his Clippers days because then Curry becomes the best guard in that conference and the Warriors take off and they just kept knocking him down. Um, it's just crazy to see this guy that at one point was the best guard, probably considered the best guard in that conference, and then this younger player eclipses him and now he plays for it, like plays with him. I, I think their thinking in adding CP3 to this team is come playoff time, we got to take some of the pressure off Steph. And if we can give him a couple more minutes on the bench to rest, and we have a guy like Chris Paul with all of his experience who can keep the ship steady running the offense out there, I, I think that is the main idea of what they were going for. You know, I, I do want to go back really quick. It's a really good point that it was probably their best chance was that year they actually beat the Warriors in round one, uh, like 2014. Mm -hmm. That was when they lost to the Thunder um, in that game where James Harden was riding the bench. And they had like all those other guys get insanely hot and beat the, uh, knock the, um, knock the Clippers off. And mm -hmm. that was the year that I think that was the year, maybe the next year Donald Sterling sold the team, but yeah, it did kind of feel like that was, that was it for them. Or I'm sorry, the Rockets 2015, not the Thunder. Um, that was when they, they were up 3-1 on the Rockets. And yeah. James Harden sat on the bench. Um, but yeah, like, how many minutes can we reasonably expect out of Chris Paul on a per-game basis? Like, he played... I'm looking it up, so if you have any other thoughts while I'm looking this up. Yeah, free. I guess even before the playoffs, the idea could be to not have Curry have to play so many minutes in the regular season. But is it going to work putting, I believe, what, 36, 37-year-old Chris Paul out there? Because how many, like you said, how many minutes can you realistically ask him to take, you know, at his age? Yeah, he played 32 minutes a game and shot 44% from the field, 37% uh, from three, and 83% from the line, which are all pretty low marks for him, so... Obviously, he's on the decline. No one no one thinks differently, but I don't know how much that moves the needle. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to be 38 years old as a guard. Like, even forwards and centers at 38 years old, you're like, yeah, I think we should be expecting the cliff now. Like, LeBron James at 38 years old, we should be expecting the cliff. But Chris Paul and a small guard at that? I would be amazed if he played, what, 58 games? 
for more than, especially if he plays, if he's playing more than 20 minutes a game. Yeah. I think the biggest question is the, the workload he can take on because, you know, what they, another thing they could be thinking is the second they take Curry off the court, they lose their best like offensive weapon as far as like actually the player scoring the points. You put Chris Paul in there, maybe the hope is he can help lead the offense to get the bench um, players to contribute more because that was obviously, you know, a, a detriment for the Warriors this season is not having the bench production and not having Jordan Poole play the way he did during that finals run. So, <clears throat> given the depth of conversation we've had about Poole's shortcoming and Chris Paul's age, who do you think won this trade? I guess since Poole has term and maybe could be an asset to that team, either a piece that will be a part of the eventual rebuild for him or a piece that will put up big numbers with high usage and they can flip for something i'd say slightly the wizards yeah i guess it, we can only say incomplete as of right now because we don't know what pool's gonna look like like if they if pool plays well and they turn him into like two or three firsts or they flip him to the blazers for an anthony simons and some future picks suddenly that trade looks a lot better for the Wizards because it would take a Herculean effort for Chris Paul to improve his trade stock now. Kyle Kuzma. Earlier when I said outside of jo- like after Jordan Poole, who are you worrying about offensively when you're guarding them? Is he not Maybe. a free agent? Did we look this? I think we looked this up last week and I can't remember. Yeah, I think we did. I Kyle Kuzma, like... There's this episode of Doctor Who where there's these, like, aliens that if you look at, you can remember them. But as soon as you look away, you can't remember them anymore. Mm -hmm. That's Kyle Kuzma for me. If I'm looking at Kyle Kuzma, I remember Kyle Kuzma. But as soon as I look away, I forget that he exists as a person. And that extends to any information I learn about Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, I feel like with Kuzma and Poole, you have this real dynamic duo of they could possibly go off tonight or they could be terrible. Yeah, or maybe maybe Kyle Kuzma is actually really good, and I just can never remember him. Because mm-hmm. he plays for the Wizards, and who wants to watch the Wizards? Exactly. Uh, Kyle Kuzma has one year left on his deal. So that could be a trade at, at the deadline. Here, wait, let me actually pull up a better table for this. Let me see here. Um, Maybe he is a free agent. Okay, now there he is. Yeah, he's uh unrestricted free agent in 24-25. This year he has a $19.5 million cap hit, which honestly, not bad. No, not at all. But yeah, I, you're talking about a guy on an expiring deal with an all right cap hit who has shown flashes or maybe played really well. Like I said, I can't remember Kyle Kuzma when I look away. So that's a guy that seems infinitely tradable. I could definitely see Jordan Poole improving his stock. Although Jordan Poole is fucking expensive, man. Do you know his contract? It's 27 this year, 30 next year, 32 in 25-26, and 34 in 26-27. Yeah, once that gets over 30, that's that's rough. Yeah. He's only 24, though. I don't know. Pool, Pool is a weird player to try to 
try to project out because he's still so fucking young. Well, I guess at some point uh, we should move on from talking about trades to talk about potential trades. Mike! Damian Lillard now seems like the odd man out in Portland as they are stuck between the Dame age and the rebuild age. They drafted Scoot Henderson number three overall and they are lousy with guards. So I sat down and decided to make some guard trades. Have the, see if I could make some trades with them sending out Anthony Simons, make some trades with them sending out Shaden Sharp, maybe even a couple of Scoot Henderson trades. Ended up not doing any of that, just made a bunch of Dame trades. You want to hear some Dame trades? Yeah, hit me. All right. So I have one, two, three, four of these trades. And I'll go. we'll go through them one at a time, and then I'll uh, want to hear your vote on your favorite, just like we did last week with Bradley Beal. And I swear to God, if Portland trades Dame as soon as we cut on this podcast, like the Wizards did with Bradley Beal last week, I'm going to stop making fake trades because it's bad for our business. Yeah. Wizards, you are officially on the list. Made the list, buddy. So the first trade I have here is the Brooklyn trade. So the Nets get Dame Lillard. Pretty simple. Portland, in return, gets Spencer Didwitty, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills, all of which are expiring contracts, as well as getting the Suns' 25th, 25 first, and Philly's 26 first, as well as some pick swaps, just to, you know, because it's an NBA trade. Uh, I have to say, uh, uh, let me get your thoughts on that. So let me read it to you one more time, then I'll give you my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nets get Dame, Portland gets Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills, all of which are expiring deals. The Suns' 25th first, and Philly's 26th first, as well as some random pick swaps you can throw in there. What are your thoughts? Hmm. I feel like there's always a market for Dinwiddie uh, where they could move him. I like Joe Harris. I'm a Joe Harris guy. What do you like Joe Harris, but you don't like Kyle Kuzma? Not Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Korver. Oh, because Korver was in the same draft as Melo, and like when Melo's play started to decline, people were like, you know, Kyle Korver is actually, you know, maybe had the better career, is a better player. And I was like, shut up. Um, <laughs> two first, it was Philly, and who was the other first? Phoenix. Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix first would be really high. But neither will Phillies in 26. Five. 26 one, that could actually be a pretty good one, depending on how things go in the next two seasons. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah, so the reason I made this trade is just because there's been a lot of smoke around Brooklyn making a trade for Dame. But I don't know why they would do that. I mean, like if you're Portland, you're asked... I, I just made the the contracts match here and made it about picks. But if I'm Portland and I'm making this trade... My asks start with Bridges because that guy has been awesome on the Nets. And I don't think that there's any reason for Brooklyn to move him. On top of which, Brooklyn doesn't need to compete right now. So why would they need Dame? Why would Dame want this trade? He'd be at most a slightly improved team, but not that much. So I don't really get this one, but there's been Brooklyn rumors on a trade for Dame. So I figured I should make a trade. Yeah, I feel like the trailblazers are saying we want Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and then an expiring deal to flip and some picks. Yeah. But if you're Portland or if you're, you're Brooklyn, why would you do that? I, I don't think that I agree. I don't think that Dame's going to Brooklyn, but 
had to, had to do my due diligence on where we're seeing rumors. All right, my second trade for you is one that's going to hit close to home, and I'm definitely going to get your attention. This mm-hmm. is my Knicks trade for Dame. Okay. So there's two w- different ways I could have done this. Uh, I went with the one with an extra player instead of an extra couple picks thrown in. So the Knicks get Dame Lillard. Portland, in return, gets R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, that makes the contracts work, and Emmanuel Quickly, as well as Dallas's 24 first that the Knicks currently have, Detroit's 24 first that the Knicks currently have, Detroit's 24 second that the Knicks currently have, and a 25 pick swap. By the way, did you know the Knicks are sitting on a treasure chest of picks? I somehow totally missed this. Yeah, we had nothing this year, but like we have a, I know we have a lot next year, I think the year after. Yeah, which I feel like they're going to flip for a player. Mm-hmm. So that's to read you that trade one more time to get your temperature on it. The Knicks get Dame. They send out R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Emmanuel Quickly, Dallas' 24 first, Detroit's 24 first, Detroit's 24 second, and a 25 pick swap. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I'd love to get Fournier off the books. I imagine Portland would just buy him out. Uh, but Hurt losing quickly. Barrett, I, you know, but you actually played pretty good for us in the playoffs, but I would be okay with moving Barrett if he still has some high value, if some teams are still valuing him high. Uh, the biggest thing is I just don't know how Dame and Brunson would play together. Like, are you moving Dame to the two? Well, yeah, I mean, you would just kind of have dueling ball carriers. I, like, if there's a dude that at this point, well, I mean, okay, before I, I, I'm stumbling over myself here, Brunson played well with Luka. Luka's more ball dominant than Dame. That's true, and, like, Houston made Harden and Paul work. Yeah, which is arguably Paul's best post-Clippers run was Houston. So I think that I think having a backcourt of Dame and Brunson, while it would be Swiss cheese having two undersized guards trying to guard like that, you get some guys in the back that can that can guard the rim and just force the other team to shoot threes. And you just out dueling them on offense. That's completely doable. I think that a Dame Brunson backcourt would actually be a lot of fun. It would be. You would just have to kind of balance your rotations where one of them is on like the court like if you take them both off the court our backcourt would be like cameron grimes and um his name escapes me right now but he was a rookie last year definitely Uh, not derrick rose no um but you'd be a little depleted on the bench from a guard standpoint by moving quickly so well if you move slowly (laughs) ha ha hey yo so you'd have to kind of figure out how you'd work that rotation um and who fucking knows what tibbs would do yeah, it tends to be losing his mind having a backcourt of Damon Brunson. I know Brunson's an effort guy, but every time that someone manages to get past them, he's getting one step closer to his head exploding. Miles McBride um, was the airport guy I was trying to think of. Unless we did have Rose decline his option and we're looking to bring him back on a smaller deal. So I guess you could have Rose coming off the bench as well. Yeah, because his deal was like $15 million next year, and as much as everyone in the NBA likes Derrick Rose, $15 million is a little much for who he is now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, re- I'm really starting to come around on this deal, even though I would hate to lose quickly. Yeah, you got to give up something to get something, though. I actually had a note that I think it might be just a little bit light for Portland. 
mm-hmm. like Portland would probably want more out of it. So you might have to, you know, give up a little bit more. But I think that I think that that's a really good landing spot for Dame. Yeah. All right. My next trade. This is what I call the Spider-Man meme trade. Golden State sends Dame Lillard, or gets Dame Lillard, and sends out Clay Thompson, as well as 25 pick swap, 26 pick swap, 27 pick swap, and a bunch of seconds. So you'd have a backcourt of Steph and Dame, which is my Spider-Man meme, with Chris Paul coming off the bench for them. What are your thoughts on that? Here, let me read it for you one more time. Golden uh, State? I, I got it. Okay. Um, so I guess the real enticing part of that for Portland would be a treasure trove of picks and pick swaps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Clay Thompson's doing anything for them except maybe teaching Scoot how to move off ball. Yeah. It would be kind of funny to watch Dame, who's another point guard who is very good, but Curry is still considered better to then have to go. It play with Curry. Um, but imagine imagine the pick and roll there. Like you you run like you run like a, a Kaminga Steph Curry high pick and roll with Dame just standing there to, waiting to catch the ball. Like defense like you would have players on defense who couldn't tell what to do after the screen there. They would just shut down. Yeah. I I mean that's a wild like guard room. Like so much the Curry Dame Paul that is crazy. I probably I three like, Hall of Famers, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like really like that. It would never happen, but it's so much fun to think yeah. about. I mean, they would just have to give up so much more, and probably Kaminga, which would kill some of the fun of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just having having like a dribble handoff where Dame Lillard's dribbling the ball and Steph Curry runs across him, and Dame has his back to a player, and the defender has to. Like, the two defenders have to decide if they're going to double Dame coming off the dribble handoff or double Curry coming off of it and just guess where the ball's going to be. It'd be crazy. I mean, that's basically what Matt Ishbia is trying to do in Phoenix. All right. I got one more trade for you here. This is, uh, speaking of the devil, this is my fantasy basketball trade. Yeah. So, Phoenix adds Dame Lillard. Portland gets campaign DeAndre Ayton and whatever pick swaps Phoenix is allowed to do after all their trades. I don't really know what they're legally allowed to trade, but I know they can do pick swaps in a few years. So Portland's getting a handful of pick swaps with down the road with the hopes that after Durant's gone and it's just basically Booker and a bunch of scrubs and Matt Ishbia's crying into his pile of money that they're bad enough to wear. Portland will cash in on those pick swaps. But once again, Phoenix gets Dame. Portland gets campaign DeAndre Ayton and any pick swaps. So you get a starting lineup on Phoenix of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Dame Lillard. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like this one. Why is that? I mean, I think... I think you're already looking at a... In Phoenix, you're already looking at a situation where your depth is thin. Um, and then you take out Aiton from your starting lineup. You take out Payne from possibly your starting lineup or coming off the bench. Yeah, I just... Oh, he'd become... Yeah. Uh, then you have Dame starting. But here's here's the argument for it, right? 
if you're Phoenix at this point, if you're if four of your starting lineup can score a combined 110 points, you only need the rest of the team to score like 20 total. Like, what are you looking at? Like, without Aiton, like, Bismack Biombo, you're yeah, starting five. Like someone who's just gonna be dirt cheap. It'd be like DeAndre Jordan or something. Yeah. Or maybe they'll be the team that somehow gets Bruce Brown at like seven million a year. Yeah, that would just be the question of like, are you gonna get start getting killed inside and off the glass by getting rid of Aiton in that deal? Um, you know, or Kevin Durant's just really gonna have to get in there to clean up. Yeah, I mean uh, Durant Durant can rebound. He can when he when when he has to. But then doesn't that kind of pull Durant off like kind of the three point line more often in situations if he's gonna have to be able to go in there and get boards potentially? Yeah, but you're you're still talking about a guy that's dangerous from everywhere. And think about that. Oh, yeah. Think about if you have Durant as your small ball five and you have him in the paint. But if he gets the ball, he can put his back to the basket and get closer, or he could just dribble it out to the three point line or hit a fadeaway, or pass it to one of the other three guys who can shoot. Yeah, because we have Booker and you have Dame, obviously. Um, hmm. Anyway, we talked about Curry being the greatest shooter of all time. Like, Durant in like that size range might be the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, one of those things where you have to you have to find the nuance in the phrases. But it's like Durant's one of the greatest scorers of all time. But Curry's the best yeah. shooter. Like, that's the way to put it. But even that, it's like, all right, maybe we're getting too granular with our goats. Too yeah, goatular. It's, it's getting a little Bill Simmons-y. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a top six shooter with wingspan longer than a T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> um, longer than a T-Rex, that popped me. Uh, yeah, I guess coming around, I don't, I don't hate it as much. I don't know if Portland would be seeing, like, sir, I think they're going into such... With moving Dame, they're going into such a rebuild that I don't know if they would be interested in taking on campaign who's older than people think and Aiden, unless the idea is we're going to flip them come the deadline. I don't know. Aiden could be a good guy for them. He obviously, I mean, he had he had heat with uh, Monty Williams, but and he hasn't played as well since the second contract, but he still was the number one overall pick in a draft. Yeah, the latest scoop scoops are that it's expected Portland is going to keep him. Um so if you want to like take a bit of like real world news and apply it to this trade, it seems much less likely. But I mean, yeah, it seems like every off season there's talk about DeAndre Ayton getting traded for like the last three years. Well, that was what a year ago or two years ago when Indiana signed him to that massive offer sheet after Phoenix declined his player option, and then Phoenix went, "Yeah, we'll match that." Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. All right, Mike, so out of those four trades, which once again, their titles are the fantasy basketball trade, the Spider-Man meme trade, the Knicks trade, or the Brooklyn trade, what would you say your favorite one was? I'm going to be a homer here and say the Knicks trade. I think the Knicks trade is the best one. I think the Knicks trade makes sense for everyone. You would probably have to give up a little bit more for Dame, but I think the Knicks trade makes the most sense. And in an East that is weaker than we thought it was a year ago, Vaulting yourself up like that could be a big move. Wow, we went uh, about an hour and eight minutes, nine minutes on uh, just basketball, so we don't have time for any other segments today. 
But uh, if there was any other news or thoughts or anything you want to run through here in the, the waning minutes, Mike, let me have it. Um. No, I mean, there's obviously not really. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about as far as like, you know, trying to make predictions and look at stuff for like off season. But as far as any like big news right now, I'm not not really thinking of anything. The NHL is a little quiet, but they got the draft and free agency coming up, so things will obviously pick up there. Yeah, just like we said, NBA heavy week, but uh, we are entering the the Ides of March. I didn't want to say doldrums again, but I couldn't think of anything else. So, the NBA is wound down, uh, hockey's going to wind down soon, and football doesn't spool up for a few weeks, so we'll probably be burning through a lot of wheel topics in the future. All right, Mike, you want to hit him with your plugs and we'll get the hell out of here? Uh, yeah, once again, if you haven't yet, go to townalone.com, check out the awesome uh, latest edition of Tankology, where we looked at the Seattle Supersonics, KD and Russ, and the birth of the OKC Thunder. Uh, later this week, we're going to have some kind of article, I'll have some kind of article coming out, uh, looking at kind of previewing um and looking at nhl free agency and um we've been mentioning it for like three weeks now but pro wrestling podcast is in the works so uh keep tabs on our all of our social media and website obviously for when that drops and you can follow me at talent alone mike and you can follow me at talent alone adam as well as following the town alone pro wrestling feed and i think that's all of our socials we have right now all right mike well have fun at your show tonight, and let's uh, let's get the hell out of here. Oh, mama, when by yama. <laughs>